Let's talk about racial inclusion and how we can be better at it. We've come a long way as a nation, but we have a long way to go. And today, my friend Jennifer Bourget of Cherish 365 answers all my hard and awkward questions about race and inclusivity. We talk about the right way to say things, what not to say, what it's like to be in an interracial marriage, and how to raise kids who have open hearts toward all people. We even talk about a black Ariel and what that means to Jennifer and her daughter in the new Disney remake of Little Mermaid. Jennifer's insight is beautiful, positive, refreshing, and honest, and I cannot wait for you guys to learn from her too. One last thing before we get into today's episode, it helps us out so much if you guys leave us a rating or a review, especially a review. It just takes a second. So if you love Mint Arrow messages, it would mean so much to me and to Neil who works so hard on this, if you guys would leave us just a quick review or a rating. I wanted to read a fun one that we got from M. Wilson Ramos that's entitled, I wish I could give you 100 stars. It says, I hadn't heard of your website until I stumbled upon your podcast. You are Mormon Oprah. (laughs) Every week you put out another gem and I'm constantly learning and pondering new ideas and concepts. I love all the guest speakers you bring on. Honestly, the content you put out is too good. On a side note, my cousin happens to know you and says that you really are as kind as you sound. Thanks so much for spreading so much knowledge and joy. I can tell you put much thought and planning into each episode. Thanks again, M. Wilson Ramos, for that super, super kind review. And if you guys have a second, we would love it if you'd leave us a review too. You guys, this is going to be such an awesome episode today. I'm so excited to have my friend Jennifer, who I know from my days at BYU. We were in the broadcast program together. She is going to share some amazing wisdom as a mom and a content creator. I cannot wait for you guys to get to know her. So Jennifer, tell everybody who you are and what you're up to. Okay. Thanks so much, Corinne. Um, yeah, I'm Jennifer Bourget. It's funny because listening to your podcast is when I learned how to pronounce your last name correctly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, think how I funny. thought it was Stoke forever. And I was like, yeah. oh gosh, it's not. <laughs> um, so yeah, Bourget is how you pronounce my last name. And I actually did know that. I should have said it. Oh, no, that, it's okay. I, I, I mean, <laughs> we know because we, but I was just like, how did I not know that? I must not have heard it. Um, it's okay. as much as I thought. So yeah, Jennifer Bourget, that's my handle on Instagram. I have a blog, cherish365.com, which is, um, basically I started it 10 years ago as baby making machine before I had my first child and yes. just wanted like a break from the news grind and broadcasting. And I wanted a place where I could just write about whatever and be anonymous. And, um, then it just evolved over the years after I had kids. And, um, then after my second child, a couple years and with being a mom of two, I was like, you know, I'm done with babies. I think I'm ready for a rebrand. I really want to focus on just, you know, cherishing this time with the kids. Um, and you know, really cherishing every day because it goes by so fast. So I changed my blog from baby making machine to cherish365.com. And then later that year, I found out I was pregnant with our third. <laughs> and, um, it, but it's still like, it still fit. It was okay. People were like, are you going to change your blog page back? But it fits because it's, I think even more now with another one and, and the big age gap, it's helped me to realize like, to really not take anything for granted. And yeah. you know, every morning when she wakes up before six and I'm like, what is wrong with you? I just can look at my big kids and know, oh my gosh, this does not last forever. You it's know? temporary. Yeah. Yes. It's temporary. So that helps. So that's what my blog is. And I basically share our journey in multiracial parenting and 
um, raising kids, you know, in this day and age that don't look like a lot of the people in their classrooms and just trying to help them navigate that self-love and who they are and, you know, by knowing where they come from. Yeah. So important. And I cannot wait to get into this topic with you because I feel comfortable asking you questions that I don't feel comfortable asking everyone, but I'm like, we're friends. Yes. yes, And these are the questions that I'm sure everyone else is thinking too a lot of times. So I'm going to start with one that I feel like is a little controversial. Okay. I've heard some people say, do not call me African-American. I'm not from Africa. I'm black. And then I've heard other people say like, no, black is derogatory. You should always say African-American. What's your stance on that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just you know, start with that. I think that's a great question. I remember meeting someone when I lived in Utah and she um, had asked me the same question and she was like, well, I just say colored because, you know, that seems like it's, you know, it's not black, not African-American. I'm like, well, no, colored actually is one that you shouldn't use. You Never. Know? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I prefer black because yes, you know, I think if someone's from South Africa and they're white, you're not going to call them African-American, even though they're more African-American than I am. So that's what I prefer. But I think, you know, really it just comes down to different people. I don't think that if you call someone African-American, if you call me African-American, I'm not going to be offended. You know, I think okay. that is, you know, a, a box that some places have that I can check off. I think a lot are changing it to black now because that is just how most people are choosing to identify. But, um, okay. yeah, I think you're good with either of those. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Yeah. It really, it's just, I, sometimes I feel like I'm walking on eggshells cause you just don't know what people prefer, Right. but it's good to know where like the safe zones are. So you really feel like if you have to choose, I would that, go with black. Okay. If you have to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I feel like I've heard the most. Yeah. Right. And I think it depends too on the reference, you know, and how you're saying it and what you're like, you know, oh, that black guy over there, or, you know, like if you're, how you're choosing to identify someone and in what way, like, I wouldn't say that that is, you know, a bad way to describe someone. If there's like a bunch of people and you're trying to call someone out or say who they are, you know, like you could say the color of their shirt, but if everyone over there is wearing blue shirts, like, oh, the black guy, you know, or the African-American man, like either way, I think it's fine. But, um, a lot of it probably has to do with maybe circumstance, but I don't or think tone can, or yeah, yeah, right. Tone and things like that. Definitely. Totally. So you mentioned a second ago too, that you're in an interracial relationship marriage. Yeah. So yeah, marriage. So tell me some of the dynamics with that, as far as, you know, when you decided to get married and how that journey started and if you guys had support from family and friends and what it's been like. Yeah. So for us, it's funny because um, we met like on a blind date and it was like really real story. (laughs) Like we met online, but he didn't have a picture for his, like, it was like a single saints, like a LDS website thing. And Mm -hmm. I was looking, I was logged on for roommates and he was looking for- For a friend. For a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, actually he said he was researching some questions about black Mormons for a friend who was on a mission. And somehow he came across my picture, you know, on this site and he felt like he should message me. And if you know my husband, like he is not on social media, he doesn't, I had to teach him how to attach 
files to an email. So he couldn't (laughs) figure out how to get a picture on this website when he messaged me. And when we first started talking, he was telling me how he served a mission in the Caribbean and his mom was from Atlanta. And, you know, all these clues were to me, I was like, oh, okay, it's a black guy that's like talking to me and we're getting near each other. So when, and we talked on the phone a couple of times. And when we finally were going out on a date, I was not expecting what I saw, like blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, guy from Utah. So, um, but you know, it wasn't like I was, I didn't have a problem with it. Obviously he didn't like, he knew what I looked like and everything, but it did catch me kind of off guard at first, but we got to know each other like really quick and fell in love really quick. (laughs) And like, you know, like a lot of LDS people, it was like from our first date to marriage was exactly six months. And, um, thankfully, you know, the only pushback we got from family was from my family, but more due to age than Mm. anything else. Um, I know I was a little nervous with meeting his parents and stuff, but they are just the most amazing people. And, I don't know. I I think growing up in Georgia, I had a lot of worries because with dating, there was, you know, being LDS in Georgia, there's not a lot of black members. And so the dating pool isn't very big. And then when you are dating, there were a lot of families that just didn't, weren't okay with interracial dating or interracial marriage. And I mean, we weren't even talking about marriage, like even just dating, you know, was difficult and challenging. So, um, I didn't know what to expect going into that, but they were just, they've always just been so awesome and completely open and welcoming and we didn't have any issues. That's great. That blows my mind though, that there were, there would be people who have issue with that. I dated a guy just for a minute in college who was a black, you know, football player, super great kid, like great grades. Neil actually knows him. Neil's like claim to fame that he <laughs> played little league football with this guy and, and he'll know when he edits this episode exactly oh, that's what awesome. I'm talking about. And my parents were great with it. They were so excited when I, you know, was going on dates with him as much as any other, you know, white, blue, purple, it doesn't matter. Like they yeah. just never that was never an issue. But also I was raised by a mom who's half Japanese. So mm. she did such a good job of teaching me everyone is the same. We're all hey. God's children. So now let's transition into children. So how do you teach your kids about race? You know, for me, I've taken it in strides. Like we we homeschooled for a couple of years, um, but even when we're not homeschooling, it's I'm just like our home is a place of learning and talking and discussing. I want to know what's going on in school and talking about conversations they had. And we have like a plethora of books on all sorts of topics. And like we celebrate Loving Day every year in June, which is when interracial marriage became legal in our country, which was only like 50 years ago in all 50 Crazy. states. So they're very aware and, you know, and I like them to know our history because I think that helps empower them. Because if you grow up like I did, where I think my parents didn't really talk about it as much, when it comes to the forefront and someone brings it up and you aren't aware of that history, then it it can be uncomfortable. So I want my kids to feel empowered about our history. That's really this whole country's history and, um, and embrace that. But also I'm not like, every day, let's talk about this and like hound it in. It's, it's really like we kind of take it as we go and we're always reading diverse books and then books always open up conversations and questions. Mm -hmm. And I just want them to ask me questions whenever it comes up. So 
you know, skin color comes up now and then. And my kids, you know, might say, well, how come you're darker than me? Or my oldest actually is usually the one with these questions. Um, or how come daddy's the only white one in the family and things like that. And, um, and we talk about it, but thankfully, um, it's so far just been, you know, really positive experiences. And so my kids have asked those same questions. Like they ask, because, you know, my mom, I just referenced her. She has mm-hmm. darker skin because she's half Japanese. And it's really interesting. My siblings and I are all the same exact heritage, but three of the four of us have more like just kind of olive skin. And then my one brother has much darker skin like my mom. We're all super jealous of him. He has this <laughs> like, you know, looks tan every day of the year, even if he hasn't seen the sun. But it's definitely a, a noticeably darker shade of skin that he has and my mom has. And my kids have asked me about it. So what do you tell them when they ask you, why does, you know, like you said, why does dad have yeah. white skin and we don't? Or why are you darker than me, mom? Like, what do you say? To yeah. I mean, really, honestly, I just, I kind of break it down with science and a little mm-hmm. religion. Like, you know, I, we talk about genetics and how you get all these cells and genes and you get some things from your dad and some things from me. So, you know, we talk about like, what kind of things do you see from your dad? You know, your curly hair is like mine and things like that. And then, you know, we also just are like, God made you this way, (laughs) you know, and we're all different and we're all unique and there is no one else in the world like you. There never has been, there never will be, you know, um, even though you and your siblings look similar and have similar skin tones, like you're not exactly the same and, you know, and, and just kind of hone in on that individuality. I love that. That's a great answer and a great thing from, I don't know that I've had that scientific, my mind does not go to science. So that I, I don't know that I've had that talk with my kids, but that's such a great place to go. So I need to do that. So what do you tell your kids to try to prepare them for situations in school where people might ask them questions or they might have curiosity about other people? Yeah. You know, books is a huge resource uh, for me because just reading different stories about people that come from different places or about, um, we have some books like, I'm trying to think, but it's like the colors of us or something. And it talks about, um, it describes skin color and all these different food ways. And Mm -hmm. um, I think just honing in on those messages of, of self-love and being able to embrace that like with their hair and, and things. And, um, cause like for me, and one thing that has been a touchy topic for me is like people that just want to come up and like play in my kid's hair. And I'm like, ah, I don't just really? like touch their hair. It takes so long yeah. to do it. And you're just, you're a stranger. Yeah. We don't know you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, kind of like when you're pregnant and people think they automatically can just touch yes. you, like touch your belly and you're yes. like, oh, in the grocery store, I don't even know you. Exactly. Exactly like that. So, you know, I try to like teach them like, okay, your hair's your crown and you know, it's your treasure and you don't have to let people touch it. And you can tell them like it's yours. And my daughter told me like, mom, I like it when people play with my hair. <laughs> and I'm like, Aww. okay. Like, so, so I have to also understand that, you know, she might have different feelings about it. And she has Mm -hmm. the right to like, if she's okay with certain friends or, you know, maybe like braiding her hair or doing something, then that's okay. And that's up for her to, to decide. But yeah, you know, I really, I try to stay in front of things as much as I can just with positivity and teaching them, you know, self-love and because, you know, we don't always have those messages on TV and, you know, her idols who she loves, like with these, 
different movies and stuff. Like she loves Descendants and Dove Cameron and, you know, they don't always look like her. So I try to reinforce with extra books and movies and pictures and things of people who do so that she can always come back and see beauty in a lot of different ways. And hopefully, you know, I mean, she can take things better than I did growing up, you know, where people would like talk about my hair, skin color, you know, or whatever. And hopefully she can handle it a little bit better. I say she, my oldest, because my son is kind of like, huh? like, I don't know. He's in a, yeah. I think he's different with boys sometimes. What are their he's ages? Age. So my oldest, uh, she's nine okay. and she's in third grade. My son is six and he's okay. in first grade and then the baby just turned one. So, yeah. um, so, you know, we're kind of taking it step by step. I think as they get older, it's going to be so different, you know, than what they're dealing with right now. But thankfully, you know, we've gone through the hair thing with, you know, why is my hair so curly and everyone else's hair mm. is so silky, you know, but I think she really likes her curls now and hopefully, you know, things will continue to go in that direction. Yeah. I love what you said a second ago about your hair is your crown. What a beautiful idea. share with us about anything that happened to you as a kid where like maybe someone was positive with you or a positive role model that you remember anyone that had like a really positive influence on you with this idea of self-love and owning who you are and embracing it yeah you know it's funny because um I always I think a lot about you know, we hear these messages and and sometimes you hear people say stuff like, oh, it's important to see people who look like you. And you think, is it really, you know, like I, I admire people who look like me and I admire people who don't look like me. But when I think back to my, my childhood and who my idols were, my mind goes to three people and they're all black women. And yeah. I'm, it's like, it's like, wow. Like when I, I think back to that, one was Whitney Houston I loved her singing and I just like who everything doesn't? about her. I love who doesn't, you know, I actually, yeah. all of these people are probably like people that everybody loves. Um, another was a news anchor in Atlanta. Her name was Monica Kaufman. And I knew that I wanted to be on the news and I just loved watching her every night. And it was, it was really cool seeing her anchor the news because on every other station, you didn't really see someone who looked like me. So I saw her and thought, okay, I can do that because yeah. she did that. And then Oprah, right. <laughs> who everyone loves, you know, is another that really crosses all the lines. But, you know, these are people who I saw doing amazing things. And that made me think like, I can do that too. You know, even though yeah. presidents and my teachers and, you know, my leaders at church and a lot of other people don't look like me, like seeing them made me feel like, I could do those big things too. Totally. Well, and I have to tell you every day, not every day, but oftentimes at 4 p.m., I'm like, oh, I should turn on Oprah. And then I remember, <laughs> oh yeah, she hasn't been on the air in forever, but I still, there's still something about seeing the clock and seeing it say four o'clock and thinking like, oh yeah, Oprah's going to be there having something right. profound to say yes. to me. <laughs> have you listened to the podcast Making Oprah? No, I haven't. Oh, Is it my one of goodness. hers? Oh, you would love it. No. So it's 
by someone and they did interview her, but it's not hers. So, but it is fascinating. It's a three part. Uh, I believe it's an hour. No, maybe 30 minutes. I can't even remember because it's been a couple years since I listened to it, but it is so fascinating. There's only three episodes and it just walks you through how she became, you know, how yeah. she became Oprah. And the thing I love the very most about it is that it talks about how she got to this point in her career where she was in that phase of television where Jerry Springer was big and Phil Donahue was big and they mm. the network came to her and said you need to be you need to be just like them you yeah. need to bring people in and have people pitted against each other mm -hmm. and that she had this moment where she watched this woman's life get completely destroyed on national tv Ugh. where she found out that i think she like found out her husband was cheating on her or something and of course it made a great tv show but she said in that moment she said i will I, i'm not doing this i will never do this again because oh, it's wow. just like kind of trash tv kind of thing you know yeah. where you're right. destroying someone's life because it makes for a good show mm -hmm. and she said that she did this whole i won't ruin it but like you have to listen to it because then yeah. she's like i just decided to take a stand for making positive impacts on people's lives and always doing things that were uplifting or helpful and how you know at first her ratings dropped a little bit and then she just took off and oh, took wow. over the world and That's is awesome. still hasn't you stopped know, <laughs> yeah, it continues to be basically the most powerful woman yeah. in the world. So yeah, pretty cool. And I agree. She's she's one of my idols, too. Okay, I want to ask you, we talked just a second ago about how you are trying to find like movies and uh, media and role models for your daughter. And we spoke just a tiny bit about this, um, I think over DM, but... I know you guys are big Disney fans. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear your reaction to the black, the casted um, yeah. role for Ariel and uh -huh. what that meant to you and what your feelings are with that. Yeah. Yeah. Haley Berry, we are so, or Bailey, sorry. But I'm like, uh, when it first, when it first announced, I was like, Halle Berry? is the <laughs> she's a little old <laughs> and then right. I scrolled down this other picture I'm like whoa okay well she's still black <laughs> like what this is yeah amazing yeah I mean we're we're really excited about it I think um you know like we were just talking about it can be hard when you're a kid and a lot of the people that you admire don't look like you. I don't think it's necessarily mm -hmm. hard. And I don't think, I mean, I don't think that my daughter looks at it as like, it's hard. And I don't think that as a kid growing up, I looked at it like it was hard, but looking back, I can see some of the influence that things, you know, had on me or like, oh, wow, had I had this or that. Um, like I loved Ariel when I was a kid, like who didn't, yeah. you know? And, um, in kindergarten, I wore the red wig and the aerial costume for Halloween. And it's so funny because the middle section, like the midsection was just a nude color. Like I say, quote unquote, mm -hmm. nude because it was yeah. white, you know? Right. <laughs> so on me, I've got like my brown arms and legs and then like a beige midsection. Um, but I didn't care. Like I was like, whatever. And thankfully my mom didn't care. She's like, you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that was like, I didn't care in that moment. But looking back, it's like, oh, wow. Like, that's awesome that I thought that. But how awesome is this going to be for kids now? Like, not just my daughter who will see a 
Disney princess who looks like her and be able to see herself in her as like, I'm sure a lot of redheaded girls looked at Ariel growing up and probably still do, but everyone else is going to like, I'm actually kind of more excited for the rest of the world to see a black Ariel, like this iconic Disney character on the big screen and just to like love her and who she is and how she looks. And, you know, because we, we really haven't had that in, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of Princess and the Frog, like Tiana, but she was a frog for most of the movie, you know, but I, so I feel like this is just, you know, a black princess on the big screen is just, it's so huge. And yeah, I'm, I'm just so excited for it. Like and- I'm here for it. <laughs> Right. I am too. I am a hundred percent behind it. How did you feel about people who pushed back though, who said, this was the one redheaded Disney princess and what are you doing? You're ruining it. Like, what was your, what was your reaction to that? Yeah. You know, I was just, I mean, I was really disappointed at first kind of seeing that and like, I was getting tagged in some of the comments on the Disney post and I'm like, ah, don't burst my bubble. Uh, I mean, I can understand because people have a hard time with change, you know, and they get an idea in their head and they think this is how it should be. I mean, I know I, every time I see a live action remake, I'm like, oh, what, you know, pinpointing everything they changed and didn't change. Yes. Um, But I think that, so to that end, I can understand how initially the shock is surprising. I think that they will keep her hair red. So if people are upset about that, I think, I think, that she will still have red hair. Um, Mm -hmm. But when people are upset about, you know, the skin color, like, I think, you know, she's a mermaid. She, you know, that's like, it's up for debate on what they should really look like, (laughs) what they really look like, you know, maybe they could have green skin. I don't think that it matters. I think that, I hope that people will really like sit back and, and think about what it means for so many people and to open their eyes to how beauty can look so different. And um, you know, we're, we're not losing anything with the Ariel from the eighties, you know, we still have her and we still 80 or is it 92? Maybe it's nineties. Um, <laughs> we still have her, you know, you can go to Disney world and Disneyland and still meet her and see her. And, you know, she's not going away. We're just getting another version of that. And I think that that's really beautiful. And I hope that everyone can really embrace that and get excited for it. Amen to that. I mean, it couldn't have been said more perfectly. I agree with everything you just said. So what do you think people can do to contribute to progress? I feel like we've made a lot of progress. You know, I yeah. like you watch movies or read books about what life was like in this country not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty shocking that we were still segregating bathrooms not that hey. long ago. And like you said, and it wasn't schools, that long ago. I mean, that, I think some yes. schools, like, you know, I feel like every year I'm reading in the news, like the first prom that's not segregated and, you oh know, some parts of Alabama and stuff. And yeah. Crazy. So, like I said, we've come a long way. Yeah but we still have a long way to go. So what can people do to contribute to progress and be more inclusive? You know, I think that it's interesting with social media because I think that we see, we can see a lot of negativity. And um, I think that there's a lot of like sometimes anger and, you know, from some people who feel like for so long people haven't been listening and it just gets built up and there's anger. And then others feel like they can't approach that without, 
you know, like you said earlier, sometimes you feel like you're walking on eggshells. You don't want to say the wrong thing. And yes, you know, you want to make sure you don't offend anyone. Um, and I think that we all should try not to be as afraid of that and be welcoming and, you know, kind of look around and see like, what things are you attending and what are your groups like and what do your circles look like? And, you know, is there room to invite someone else who doesn't look like you, you know, to talk to someone who doesn't look like you. I mean, it can be online, it can be offline. You know, I think communities look different, but, you know, taking the time to reach out. And I, I mean, I think everyone, for me, it can get exhausting, like after feeling like a spokesperson or something. But I feel like for me, I like to be open and be that person that, yes, you can ask me African-American or black, you know, it's okay. I'm not going to get upset or, you know, start a debate with you or anything, you know, because I think it's just really important to, to have these conversations and not be afraid to have these conversations, to diversify our friends to diversify our um, books, you know, our reading material and the movies that we're showing our kids, like the new Annie that came out, you know, she's black and, you know, watching movies like that or, you know, going to see. My kids this- love that movie. Isn't it so cute? <laughs> I don't And this, the new soundtrack's awesome too. It's so good. I love Jamie yeah. Foxx. Um, going, you know, supporting the new Ariel, even though yeah. she doesn't look exactly like the old Ariel, like just being open to to having conversations with people who don't look like you, inviting them into conversations and just, and even like if you're not comfortable talking uh, because not everyone is, like maybe just taking the time to like read from people who are sharing their experiences and what they're going through. Because a lot of people, you know, are writing about that and putting it out there and going into it and not feeling like you have to contribute to the conversation and say your point of view, but just being able to like sit back and listen, you know, open. Yeah. So you've talked a lot about books and then media and do you have a list or even just like a few things you can rattle off that you think people could read or either read themselves or read to their kids or movies or you mentioned Annie, which we love, but what other suggestions do you have? Because I'm always looking for stuff like that too. Yeah. Or to open my mind to new ideas for sure. So I have, I have like lists on my blog and I think I'm going to oh, redo it. I have some like that. I think I first wrote black history month, but then I realized like I should update this and just make it for any time, like just diverse books yeah. that you can read. Cause they aren't like necessarily about black history, but they just have, you know, maybe black main characters or a story about, you know, um, someone from Africa or, you know, people with different color skin, like Colors of Me, I mentioned earlier, The Loving Story. Um, we can link to this in our show notes too, because I'd love to have this list that people can easily just tap on if they're listening to this on their phone or whatever. So we'll make yes. sure to link to your blog post with a list okay. of books. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm going to keep adding to this too. Like I started a, like a book a day with my kids, just like checking out a bunch of books from the library and reading something every day. And I fell off the wagon with that, but, (laughs) but we still like have so many books that we've been through that I haven't, you know, been listening and writing about one that I really, it's a beautiful book called Dancing in the Wings. It's about a black ballerina. I mean, it's really Mm -hmm. about a ballerina, but just happens to be black, you know? So if your kids like dance and like ballet, like, I think this is a book that is, you know, amazing because it's got beautiful illustrations. 
you know, it's a pretty story and it's, it's not like it's, you know, talking about race or anything necessarily, you know, it's just like another book to add to your shelf that maybe has a different character on it. Um, Grace for president is a super cute book that talks about, they are running for class president and it kind of talks about electoral votes and things like that. So we read that around the election and it's just a cute book and the main character is a black girl. Um, but you know, her class is super diverse. Um, I I love my hair is a cute book. Yeah. I can, I can send you the link. Yes. We'll put this in our show notes, but those are some great suggestions. And, yeah. and we'll then you to... talk about movies too, like Annie. Yeah. And then if you haven't seen that Cinderella with Brandy. <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh yeah. It's an older, like, I think it came out in the nineties, but Brandy Cinderella and uh, cool. Houston is the fairy godmother. It's oh my got goodness. awesome music. The prince is Asian and like, it's a super diverse. Whoopi Goldberg is Prince Charming's mom. Like it's a super diverse Love cast. Okay. Yeah. We're, I will for sure add that to my list of movies to, you know, watch with my girls. They'll yeah. love that. Yeah. How fun. Okay. I do want to ask you a tough question and I want to be careful in the way that I ask this. Okay. Because I'm not asking for like bad words, <laughs> but what should people not say? Like, can you educate us a little bit? You said a little bit at the very beginning about don't ever use the word colored, which I agree with. And then yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you're like, don't use this phrase or maybe just avoid saying things like this that someone well-meaning might just right. not even realize? Yeah, I think that a few things that kind of will come off. It's It's not like like you were saying, like bad words or anything. Cause I think a lot of people know like, okay, don't say color, don't say the N word, like things like that. But some things that, that people say a lot that I don't think that they realize how it comes across. Um, there's a few phrases actually, like when people tell me you're so well-spoken or you're so, uh, well-spoken is usually what I hear. And I know that it's well-meaning, but my mind kind of always goes to, is that because you think that black people all sound a certain way, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think if you're going to say something like that to a black person, just being aware, like think first, like, why are you saying that? Like, are they a super like verbose? Maybe you could use that word, like, wow, you're really verbose, you know, or something. Um, But when you say well-spoken, I think that that kind of comes across as like, you don't expect black people to sound that way. Anything that starts with, I'm not racist, but always like kind of comes to be like, oh no, like what's coming next? Like, ah, I got to like brace myself for whatever is coming. Yeah. So just kind of thinking like, okay, like stop yourself for a second and think about what you're about to say and why you're saying that and why you feel like you need to preface it with that. Right. And then just, I think anytime that like with, we saw this with the aerial thing in, in conversations, like, well, you already have Tiana and why can't, you know, or you can dress up like her or what if we change Tiana to being white? Like, you know, thinking about those things and where that's coming from and, and maybe not jumping to dis- don't be dismissive, I guess is what I'm trying to say, like to yeah. what someone might be feeling about it. Um, when you're saying things like that, it's kind of like dismissing their feelings and, you know, saying that your feelings on it are more important. Yeah. I think that just, those are probably the main things. That comes okay. To that's really helpful. And I know that's like kind of an awkward question to bring up, but you know, it's, I just, there are a lot of things like this where I want to know, like, I want to be better. I want to know more, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's great that you're asking. And I think that, you know, it's also important, like I say these things, but I am not like a spokesperson for black people. And I know you know this, but one thing that, that I think about a lot and that I think even in our black community, I think we're starting to get better at, but just knowing that we don't all think alike, like we don't want other people to think that we think alike, but we also 100%. need to be aware that like, you know, we can all belong to different political parties, different, have different opinions on what someone said about, you know, one thing or, you know, what we want to be called or, you know, natural hair. And, you know, like we can have just as many varying opinions as people of any other race. So totally. I a hundred percent agree with that. And I, I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah, I don't want it to seem like, Oh, I brought Jennifer on here and she's just going to speak for everyone and everyone yeah. who, <laughs> everyone who's black thinks just like her. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just important to have these conversations and make room for them and, right. you know, give everyone a chance to think like, think about, Oh, have I ever said those things exactly. or how can I be better? Or am I exposing my kids to enough diversity that, when they meet someone who's different than them, that they'll feel comfortable. Like, oh yeah, this is right. already a part of my life. Right. Yeah. Right. Where it's not like a, something that stands out. Like I catch this with my kids. Like, you know, if my son saw someone, I think in a wheelchair or with some kind of um, brace or, or something on. And, and I saw his eyes like get big and he was about to say something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, like everyone looks different. Like we can all, you know, like, yeah. and, and I was like, wow, like it kind of was a moment for me. Like, okay, maybe we do need to have a conversation about how different people move and walk and get around. And, um, you know, I think it can be the same thing with, you know, like in Utah, like when I was in Utah, I, I can remember people being like, what mom, a black, you know, look at her skin. And, you know, like oh if, if you're not exposed to it, then I know as a parent, like it can be mortifying, but I think you can, like you said, avoid those kind of things by showing diversity to your kids, even if it's not around you. Yes. And I was just reading to my girls before bed a couple nights ago. They love the book, We're All Wonders. And it's like a kid, it's like a children's book version of the book, Wonder. I don't remember if it's just oh, okay. called Wonder, but have you seen that movie with Julia Roberts? I haven't Roberts? seen the movie, but I, kn- I know it of it, yeah. Yeah, so they made a, ch- a very simple like children's bedtime story version of that, and I was reading it to my girls and talking to them about you might meet someone at school that looks different than you, and they might have different challenges, and they might not be exactly like you, and it's really important to be kind to everyone and right. have that conversation. And yeah, you just can never do too much of that because really – That is the essence of, I feel like that is the common thread with all religions, with all, you know, good doing in the world is just love one another. Yes. Love people. So what's your goal with this? Like best case scenario, if you could set up the future for your children and what they can have when they reach adulthood, what do you hope the world looks more like? You know, I really just hope, I mean, like, I think it's, a little bit cheesy to say, but like, you know, Martin Luther King and his dream, like, I feel like that is still so true. And what so many of us want, you know, where people are looked at and, um, considered for who they are and not what they look like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I want every child, you know, to know that, that they can achieve whatever, despite, 
um, what they look like. And this really goes across the board, like no matter what your background is, I think that we can, um, kids start out so open-minded and limitless, you know, they have this idea of limitless potential. And by the time they graduate high school, that window of opportunity is so small, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. to their eyes, like the window hasn't changed, but to their eyes, it's like inches open, you know, and to just continue to keep that open for them. And I think a lot of that comes with what we say to them. And, um, so I think that's why I'm, I'm really careful with my kids to not give them a complex about their potentially being setbacks because of the way that they look like, I don't want to put that in their head. I don't even want to put that in their head. Like I, if something comes up, like, yes, like that's a conversation that we're going to have and we're going to like nip that in the bud. But I don't want them to think that they are limited at all, especially not because of the way that they look. So I, and you know, I just hope that as a society, like as a country specifically, that we get over like this, I feel like we're kind of in a weird like hump right now. And um, I hope we can just move past it and all love each other. (laughs) I hope so too. I'm with you a hundred percent. It really, it feels frustrating sometimes to look around and be like, we have so much to be thankful for here. We have so many good things going for us. Let's like pull ourselves back together. Hopefully it's not going to take something horrible, like a huge natural disaster or 9-11 type of thing for people to just remember humanity and remember what it's like to just care about your neighbor. Right. Because that's what I feel like 9-11 did. Exactly. Oh, it did. woke up. It's like they were asleep and they woke up to the fact of people are just people and we all just need to support and love each other and be kind and help your neighbor out, you know? Right. No, absolutely. I mean, they say that when, um, I've, I've read about this, like optimism and, uh, cause that's something that I feel like I, I really try to speak about and have in my message a lot and is optimism. And when everything's going well, quote unquote, you know, in our country and, and stuff, then it's like, you kind of do start to turn against your neighbors because it's like, every, you know, like who, who is like our family, their family, like, but then when there's some kind of outside force that comes in, whether from another country or, or, you know, I think about this all the time, like if another planet attacked us, we would totally be united as a we'd all band together. It's so true. (laughs) We'd finally all band together. Like that's what it would take. But yeah, you know, I, I hope that we can, that there's enough positive voices out there. And I, you know, I have faith that there are, and I have faith that like, I think the pendulum's swinging right now, but I think it's going to go the other direction. And I think people are going to be able to wake up without some kind of disaster and kind of realize like, Hey, life is too short. Like, you know, like we really need to appreciate what we have. And and these people who next to us, I don't want to walk around angry every day at someone, you know, or people. (laughs) Well, you've given me so many good ideas, so many good things to think about for my own journey and for my motherhood and my children and helping them to have a more loving, open view of the world. I need to ask you my one last question is if there's only one thing people remember from this podcast episode, what's your one message that you want people to remember? I think I really want people to remember kind of to self-evaluate and um, not be afraid of, of something different. Because I think that 
what's that saying? They say that hate isn't the opposite of love. It's fear or something like that. Um, I, I think that, you know, and we fear the unknown and I think it can be scary not knowing, you know, anything about someone else's experience, you know, especially someone who maybe practices a different religion and looks differently than you, you know, like it just, the more and more different, like the more fearful you can be. But I think to just, just open yourself up to, getting to know different people, whether personally or through, uh, through research, you know, and just opening your heart to loving others. I love that. What a beautiful message. And (laughs) really you are just one of my favorite people to follow, to be inspired by. I really feel like you always have just, you know, thank thank you. you for sharing all of this with us today. And taking the time. I know you're a super busy mama and content creator too. So where can people find you if they were inspired today and they want to keep learning from you and your journey with you and your family? Yeah. You know, uh, you can find me at my blog, cherish365.com. I try to post there uh, three times a week and then Monday through Friday on Instagram, which is under my name, Jennifer Bourget. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jennifer. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. 